Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, I'm Emily, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, and I uh, was a little late getting ready this morning because I um, was thinking about the fourth step and um, my relationship to it over the years. And so I'm going to try to break my share up into four pieces. I want to tell you a little bit about me and um, my circumstances, um, a little bit about like what the fourth step is in general, um, how one might work it, and then where I am today with it, which is uh, where I actually spent most of my time uh, thinking. Um, but uh, I want to assure everyone that my story is only my story. Um, you know, if you're in your first meeting, the recommendation is um, check out a few meetings, go to six, um, see uh, see what you like. I don't speak for OA, I only speak for me. Um, I So my story is that, um, <clears throat> oh, I've never said it this way, compulsive eating saved my life. Um, and uh, I'm gonna start with gratitude for it. I grew up in a violent, um, multiple addiction, poverty-stricken, mental illness, jacked up household. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and I was put in positions from being very, very young that were um, hard to maintain my sense of self. Um, I think that's the simplest way I can, I can put it. Um, and from very early on, I don't remember when, a lot of people have like a story, like I remember this one time, I don't remember when, but I know food became my best friend at some point. And um, my mother is um, a compulsive overeater and um, is large, is uh, uh, is overweight, and my father, I will say, was also a compulsive overeater, but he was an exercise bulimic as well, and so he um, was very, very fit—the kind of fit you see in, um, well, we had many copies of Muscle and Fitness magazine um, around my house, and he was, you know, the kind of person who like did you know, he was like the only dude in aerobics class and the only dude in yoga class. Um, and, uh, and would, was deeply addicted to sugar, very, um, very addicted to sugar and ate copious amounts of food. So even though we were very poor growing up, food was not something that was absent in the household. That was like priority one. There was always a a lot of food. It was restricted the kinds of food we could eat because my father had um, notions of healthy eating. So he was kind of like an Atkins guy before Atkins was a guy. Um, and so I wasn't allowed to eat grains. Um, 
but yeah, but I could eat a bucket of sugar. Like that was mine. <laughs> so lots of mixed messages. Um, but food was one of those ways that my mom and I really connected. Our bodies looked the same. My brother has a body that looks just like my dad's did. Um, and my brother was also very picky about what he ate, but my mom and, you know, that was like her way of connect. One of the ways of connecting with me is we would, you know, get stuff to eat together that, um, we would then lie about to my father, right? Because I was not supposed to be eating. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, I was not supposed to be eating anything with, none of us were supposed to be eating anything with the grains. Um, and that, um, thanks, I'll wrap up that little part. Um, so that pretty much set me up for a lifetime of seeking comfort and connection through food. And at the exact same time, thinking that there was some silver bullet recipe for how to eat that was going to solve all my problems. So you can take that recipe and like, I guess, do it like 48 years <laughs> um, and, and get to me today. And that's, you know, um, where, when I <clears throat> joined OA, um, somewhere around 15 years ago, that's where I was. I was um, eating for comfort um, and, oh, I guess the piece I left out is I felt really lousy about myself. I felt like I was an unlovable monster, even though circumstantially, the, I got lots of messages that that wasn't true. Um, my feeling inside was, um, I'm never going to be good enough. Nothing I do is going to be good enough. And, um, I'm going to be alone forever. And, um, and the fact that I had a ton of friends and a good career and lots of people who liked and admired me was irrelevant. Um, so I joined OA and, um, it was super weird because it was, I, I joined this meeting around 15 years ago. Um, and uh, there was, it was in a church. And um, as an agnostic Jew, that was creepy. Um, it was, uh, there was like all this language people were using that I super didn't get. <clears throat> and there were these steps that they were talking about that sort of sounded like, um, for me at the beginning, a little bit like torture. Like, why would I do that? <laughs> I just want to stop um, being fat and I want my life to be better. Like, that's why I came in. And, um, and I think, and, and this is an important piece of my story. One of the things that I was immediately turned off by was the big book. Cause I was like, this dude who wrote this big book, he and I do not have similar circumstances. Like his life circumstances are way different. Um, and the thing that kept me coming back was all of you because I was in this room of people who were telling my story, who didn't look like me, who didn't have the same life circumstances, but who felt exactly like I did. 
and who did um, weird things with food that I did, um, which was, you know, eat when I wasn't hungry, um, eat a lot of food, piles of food, um, and then restrict because it, eating was bad, right? So like all of this like moral value judgments attached to what I put in my mouth or didn't put in my mouth. Um, somehow, somehow the food dictated my value on earth. And, um, and I heard that reflected in people's shares. And I, you know, the, um, I also think like I, um, you know, I'm a teacher and I started teaching directly out of school. So like I've always been in school. So being in rooms full of people like that feels good. Um, I'm like, oh, it's like a classroom. We're going to learn together. Um, so, you know, when it came to um, the fourth step, what I heard the fourth step to be was like, I don't know, there was like all this lore about it, like, oh my God, the fourth step, it's, you know, super intense, you're gonna rip your guts out and take a moral inventory and then find out all the shitty things about yourself and we're gonna call them defects. Um, and that sounded terrible. <laughs> I didn't feel like I wanted to um, have more evidence of my unlovability, if that's a word. So um, there's a miraculous thing is that you don't start with the fourth step. You start with the first step. And the recommendation that I will um, wholeheartedly endorse is that you don't do any of it alone. And so I didn't do it alone. And it took me a little while to find, thank you, uh, the right sponsor. But uh, when I did, and she and I were working the fourth step, I sort of was like, this is really intense. I mean, I could tell you right now all the bad things about me. I could list them. You want to, I could put a sheet of it. And she was like, let's start with your assets. And that was a miraculous thing for me because um, I didn't feel like I needed to be knocked down any more pegs. I was pretty low. And, um, and to do a fearless and moral inventory of my assets felt uh, more arduous in some respect because I had to hold that, um, I'm awesome. I have like all these great things about me. Um, and for me, that was difficult, not only because my self-esteem was kind of crappy, but also because it felt like, well, if I'm this great and I have all these assets, why do I feel so crummy? Like that felt like dissonance. Um, and, and why don't I have all these things that I want in the world? Um, when I came into program, I was extremely single and, um, and, uh, well, 15 years later, I have a husband and a house and two kids and yeah, I'm not anymore. I'm not extremely single anymore. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so I guess that's the first thing I wanted to say was, um, the first two things I want to say is don't do the fourth step alone. And 
you don't have to start with um, your defects. Uh, and when I work with sponsees, that's um, what I do. I have them list their assets first. For me, it felt like um, just like some solid footing to start out with of like, um, and then I could look at what, you know, the process of the fourth step is. And, and um, I've done the fourth step a couple of times, so I don't remember, and I've done them with two different sponsors, so I don't remember who I did which way with, but the basics around the fourth step for the folks who haven't gotten there yet is um, you make a list of who or what you resent. You um, write down like why, like what happened. Then you look at um, what it affects and then you look at your part. And, um, and I think the first time I did it, I did it using the OA 12 and 12 workbook which um, has lots of questions and um, sort of guided um, the work with uh, my sponsor and with me. Um, I know that with one of my sponsors, um, she uh, had a lot of experience in other 12-step programs. And I think she, we worked it a little more um, AA style. Um, but I think that's why we, uh, one of the reasons why we don't do it alone is that there are many ways to do it. Um, the other thing is I, I was, it, the listing people I resented, like that was pretty quick. Like I was like, oh yeah, I can do that. Um, here's people, here are the institutions. Um, and uh, and it, it was pretty easy for me to, write down like why. Um, one of the things that I was surprised by, and, and I will say that like how it affects me was also like, you know, like, oh, this is a, you know, there's, depending on the way you do it, there are like lists of things that it affects. Um, but one of my biggest issues was what is my part? And this was critical for me to be working with a sponsor when I did this, because um, I made everything my part and I took way more responsibility for things than I needed to. So I was like, well, when I was five, I was not very grateful. I was a little brat, blah, blah, blah. And like, take, and um, thank you. And uh, <laughs> my sponsor was like, that, you were five, you know. Well, when I was in middle school, I used to think all this stuff, you know, or even, you know, even at the time, like I thought a lot of mean things about that person. And my sponsor was like, did you do any of it? I was like, no, but I thought it. And I was like holding all of this, like, um, I think need to be perfect, right? Like I had this need that I not, um, an over-identification of what I was responsible for and a sense that if I 
even thought anything inappropriate or mean-spirited, um, then that was a problem. I grew up with a lot um, in a really rageful household. And so I had a lot of um, worries about my own anger. Like anger was bad and I didn't wanna be one of those people. And um, so I wanna just point that out that you might not be able to anticipate the, the help your sponsor can give you. Because I, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the four step, um, uh, what do you need help most with? It, I wouldn't have known that the help I needed was to um, be right sized and only take responsibility for the actions I actually did. And, um, and I think that actually takes me to where I am today. Um, the fourth step, that process you can imagine for me was pretty, uh, well, it took a lot of weight off of my shoulders because I was holding shit that wasn't mine. And, um, and so, you know, step five, we're not there yet, but step five is sharing it. Um, so they, those two steps feel sort of commingled with me because my sponsor wasn't able to give me the feedback until I shared it with her. Um, but that process, it, I, I felt lighter. And, um, and it set me up to be, you know, on the road to the dreaded ninth step, right? Which is where you make amends. And that's, I feel like that's the other step that there's a lot of lore around like, ooh, it's a spooky one. Um, but uh, <clears throat> it set me up for that because I, I had a better understanding of um, what I was responsible for and also a clear understanding of my defects. I had imagined that I was gonna get this list at the end of the fourth step that was like three pages long of all my defects. And um, instead I ended up a, with a list of like, it was like four or five, you know, and they were things that um, I'm not super proud of, but I also was not super shocked by like um, judgment, perfectionism, uh, <clears throat> I probably should have put more thought into this part because now I can't remember. I can't remember what my defects are. Um, oh, controlling. Um, uh, and so, I don't know, it felt, it felt um, not overwhelming. And, and so today, you know, it's, it hits me that I'm not talking about food, except I'm talking about food. Um, because like I said in the beginning, food was my, like, that's where I went for comfort. And I needed a little less comfort once I let go of some of the stuff I was carrying around. I did not instantly become, um, I'm not one of those people who instantly became abstinent. It took me uh, like three years to get abstinent. And, um, and, you know, when I was 
I didn't know what the topic was when I was first thinking about this share. And one of the things I was thinking about is like, one of the gifts of being abstinent for so long is that um, lots of it feels uh, like habit. And um, just like coming to this meeting sort of feels like habit, like, oh, this is just what I do. I come to this meeting every Saturday morning. I hang out with um, <clears throat> dear friends and people I'm just meeting. Is that time, total time? Yeah, total time. Okay, so um, so that's it because my time is up, and um, and I'm grateful to all of you uh, for showing up and being members of this program and making uh, uh, making being alive a little easier. So thanks. <laughs>